Will there be a little ride on Space Mountain? What the fuck are you doing? This guy would flash you. You are dead, crooked. Now, nothing that happened here tonight even vaguely resembles professional wrestling. This ain't the end. Somebody go get me a bucket. Got a light in the car, beef and cabbage. Maybe the fidget a little bit. I understand. You will have to depend on the pens for the rest of your life. Straight OG brother, is that what you're saying? Don't you worry about my hand. That coffee burn. I feel like a combination of Bob Parker and Ric Flair. I tried to apologize. What do you call Chimes. I have extra money tonight in case we run a little short. Perhaps you should seek professional help. Like a little, little, little stupid person. You made that up. You have lost it. Lost what? Your mind. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 36 of the Nitromania podcast. My name is Adam. I am your host, and this is the show where if things don't start getting better soon... The phrase lethal lottery might be more literal than you think. This is the 36th episode of Nitromania, meaning there is now one episode for every inch in a yard, one episode for each strike thrown in a 900 series in bowling, and one episode for each non-zero space on a roulette wheel. This is our big slamboree super-sode, so allow me to introduce my guest, stepping in at the last minute and being a goddamn hero after some technical difficulties called the original recording of this episode with someone else from the shadow vein podcast and i'm going to say co-founder because i'm going to take half credit for it as well of the questionable endeavor network andy is here uh, wait i'm not martin dixon sadly you are not he oh <laughs> Gee, thanks. Fucking nice to see you, too. He he does have a nice accent. It was quite entertaining. I did have a very nice two-hour chat with Martin last Saturday. The problem was that only half of it got recorded. My half. So that was on me. It's completely my fault. technology. We we will have him back on a future episode. I uh, I now have a handy-dandy Skype recorder that I probably should have uh, had a long time ago for just these kind of occasions. But uh, we'll have Martin on again. But welcome, Andrew. Go. Thank you for thank you for stepping in. It's nice to be here. It's uh, this has been a busy week for the fact that I've kind of stepped away from a lot of work duties this week to try to just you know relax. This is the second podcast I've guest starred <laughs> on this week, so uh, really excited to be here. Ready to well, okay. I'm excited to talk to you. <laughs> I, I'm not excited to talk about. Uh, good old Slambury '96 and yes. the following um, episode of Nitro. Yes, as as I have said to you in the past, you are my first two-time guest on Nitromania, so congratulations for that. Wow, that's um, awesome. But as I have said to everyone who has been on any of these uh, pay-per-view episodes in the past, thank you, and I'm sorry. Yeah, this is bad. This uh, is terrible. Things things are getting good soon, but we do still have to get through Slambury and the next night's Nitro. Now. Going in, going into this, I can tell you, I was actually kind of looking forward to this pay-per-view. I'm not 100% sure why. Maybe it's the lack of Hulk Hogan over the past few weeks, but the build to Slamboree 96 has not filled me with as much dread as pay-per-views in the past. So now this is not World War Three, you know. So there's only there's only the one ring this time that you, that we have to keep track of. So that's good. That's good because that was confusing as heck the last time. <laughs> the problem is. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, this is Slamboree. Your major gimmick here, 
is the Lethal Lottery. There's 32... A.K.A. a really, really confusing King of the Ring. <laughs> yes. There are 32 wrestlers randomly assigned into six... Why are they all tag teams? Because it's a tag team. I don't fucking know. It's WCW. <laughs> you don't ask these kind of questions. Okay. Uh, so 32 wrestlers randomly assigned into 16 teams. It is a two-round tournament to whittle us down to eight remaining wrestlers, at which point those eight wrestlers will compete in a battle royal to determine who is the Lord of the Ring and who gets a shot at the Giants World Heavyweight Championship. See, I was confused because I thought Sauron was always the Lord of the Ring, and then <laughs> I apparently we're, I'm, co- I'm completely off base on this one. Here's the thing: is personally, I think it's quite obvious that there's already been a winner chosen, as there already is a Lord of the Ring in WCW. That being, of course, Lord Stephen Regal. Lord Stephen Regal. But if he has to compete in this tournament as a formality, I understand. Uh, also tonight, Sting will face the Giant for the World's Heavyweight Championship. Uh, and I don't remember anything else being announced. So, uh, Andrew, <laughs> well, we have we have a couple of uh, of championship matches there as well. Are, but they didn't talk about them on Nitro at any point. Oh, so. good. The last minute thrown together. Got it. Well, again, remember at this point, Nitro is not a flagship show at this in WCW. Just that yet, is true. It's only, it's, it only it doesn't go to two hours until next week. But, oh, but uh, we get a we get a ninety minute. Episode we do get a special ninety minute. <laughs> uh, all right. So if you are ready. Oh, I was born ready. And I hope that you are. Let's dive right in. Uh, it is Sunday, May 19th, don't tell Kane, 1996, <laughs> and we open with a video explaining the Battle Bowl and the promise that the Cruiserweight, United States, and World titles will all be on the line tonight. Uh, random announcer man reminds us that we are live from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we go to Tony Schiavone, who is alongside Bobby the Brain Heenan and Dusty Rhodes. This is the Riverside Centroplex in Baton Rouge, and this event is the first ever televised wrestling event from this arena. We will never return to this arena here on Nitromania, so I'll just tell you that this arena is home to three episodes of WCW Thunder in 1998 and 99, and an episode of Raw in 2001 in the midst of the invasion where The Rock defended the WCW title in a handicap match against the Dudley Boys. And Kurt Angle defended the WWF title against Shane McMahon. So, solid episode of Raw there, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. Now, at the desk, Bobby is positive that Macho and Flair won't even make it out of the first round. Dusty says Sting needs to remain focused, or else he will fall victim to the chokeslam. We go to the ring for your opening contest in the Lethal Lottery Road Warrior Animal teaming with Booker T., to take on the team of Road Warrior Hawk and Lex Luger. Wow! I will give them credit. This is certainly unpredictable. It uh, is. They're I, really playing up the unpredictability, though. <laughs> and to the point where it's like, you know that nothing's going to happen between the Road Warriors. Like, right off the bat, they're just like, oh, what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I also want to note here, before we like before the match even gets started, None of these competitors look like they give a shit. Like, <laughs> like there's like a, such a lack of energy starting this off. They're like, oh boy, this is gonna suck. Like even they know, like it's yeah. bad. Like none of them yeah. could care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so certainly unpredictable. I also feel like it has the chance to be very confusing. Yep. Um, Tony does tell us that after the first round, they'll redraw the pairings for the second round, just to make it even more confusing. 
Ah, uh, yes, and it's a really thrilling moment too, where they where they draw those envelopes. It was man, I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah. So Hawk goes after Booker immediately, and then we spend five minutes getting partners into corners and deciding who's going to start the match. Uh, Luger finally starts with Animal. Luger takes advantage and hits a big power slam, but doesn't uh, try to pin Animal, which baffles Tony. Uh, they then get a bit crossed up as Animal sends Luger off. He then goes for a clothesline, but Luger jumps into the air and Animal clotheslines Luger's midsection, which he sells with a back bump anyways. Uh, Booker tags in and goes after Luger. Luger tries to fight out of a headlock, but gets axe kicked. Hawk makes a save, and for some reason, this pisses Luger off, and it all just breaks down into chaos. We go to the ever-useless WCW split screen as Hawk fights Luger at ringside and Animal chases... <laughs> I thought we were done with that. Uh, or Hawk fights Booker at ringside and Animal chases Luger down the aisle. Then, in a very satisfying finish to your opening contest, both teams get counted out, meaning no one advances. Is this, this is WWE we're watching yeah. here? Like, Tony, Tony and Bobby complain that Animal and Hawk never actually fought each other. Uh, while well, I think everybody else complains that it was a double fucking countout in the opening match. What, you know, did, you, what's in, what did you think? What's interesting about this one is that it, you know, you look at the competitors, and on paper this should be really good, but it's not. Um, I will give the credit, uh, give some credit. The, the fans were super into this match, and I think this is the only match up until like the end of the night that they actually give any shit about. Like you can, <laughs> you can kind of, if you pay attention, listen to the crowd or watch the crowd throughout this. That they start out really hot, and then it just slowly starts to go down as, <laughs> as each match goes by. Like they're coming to realize, wow, we spent our money on this. Yeah. Uh, and I will also mention that this is like you can. I don't know. This is like the whitest crowd. Like, if you pay attention, <laughs> we'll, it's we'll just get a bunch to, of re- we'll get really to fat white guys, we'll like, all over. Oh, man. Just, yeah. it's, not, not a, I mean, not a, not a good start. Mm-hmm. Uh, match number two in the Battle Bowl tournament, Public Enemy, the only team to be randomly drawn together. Uh, take on the Taskmaster and Chris Benoit. During Public Enemy's entrance, they find the whitest people in the front row and show them yes! dancing. Yes, that was so great. Um, <laughs> I, that, that, that I popped so much for the really terrible dancing. It was the highlight of the whole pay-per-view for yeah. me. Um, number two, you were wrong uh, earlier. That is not the only tag team that managed to stay complete. Uh, Fire and Ice managed to wrestle later on uh, I- as a team. I am I'm fairly certain that Fire and Ice became a tag team after they were randomly selected in the There's in the no lottery. way. There is absolutely but, no way that and I got I haven't really been watching ahead of time. I, yeah. But I it cannot ha- imagine It didn't happen on Nitro, like, so I'm not hundred percent sure either. But And I am Ice. Oh, we just happen to be together? That's the greatest tag team in poem ever. Got Norton and Ice Train. Flash Norton. Uh, fuck was I? Uh, Rocco Rocco starts with Benoit, and they start physical with slaps, pushes, and eye rakes. Benoit goes for a side slam, and it's countered into a head scissors by Rocco, and they shove each other some more. More back and forth, and a vicious power bomb by Benoit. Benoit tags Sullivan, and Johnny Grunge just comes in, and it all breaks down again. Sullivan gets laid on a table, and Rocco goes for a somersault tope, but Benoit cuts Rocco off with a clothesline. Rocco then gets suplexed from the ring to the floor. They load Sullivan and Benoit onto the table and hit the public enemy sandwich, as Bischoff calls it. Sullivan appears to have been holding Benoit onto the table. (gasps) Sullivan yells about his leg and starts to hobble to the back as Rocco pins Benoit with Grunge holding Benoit's foot to move on to round two. 
They had played up the tensions between the dungeon, which somehow still exists. I'm really not sure how. Uh, and the horsemen leading up to Uncensored. It looks like there are still some outstanding issues there. What say you? Uh, first of all, I don't know much about... I mean, I've heard of Public Enemy, but I didn't really watch <laughs> much WCW. Are they ECW guys originally? Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay, because I was wondering, like, they're really hardcore. And my favorite thing aside from the dancing fan in this match was <laughs> taskmaster trying to like play along and be hardcore by taking like plasticky chairs and just like whipping them at public enemy it did not look good it just looked lame uh completely lackluster and sad to see benoit uh as a part of this and losing to this team <laughs> uh yeah but uh you know you get more chaos between the dungeon and the horseman right i could care less yeah uh your next lethal lottery match sergeant craig with teddy long and scott steiner against the booty man teddy long is so fat and number two (laughs) (laughs) number two um is the booty man beefcake yes okay because like i thought it was beefcake but like for some reason he looked slightly different Mm -hmm. booty man i don't know if maybe he was just like more like cut or not. I don't know what's going on. Booty man is beefcake after beefcake was Zodiac. Okay. Fair enough. Remember Zodiac from the last time you were on? I do remember yeah. Zodiac from the last time that oh. I was on here. And uh, I don't know. I really think this might be a downgrade. Yeah. So, so yeah, Sergeant Craig and Scott Steiner against booty man and Rick Steiner. I think it's quite clear that Sergeant Craig is going over in this match. I hope so. Uh, booty starts with Craig. Craig works over Booty. I really hate writing, writing these sentences Stop right with now. no real offense from Booty uh, and tags in Scott. Uh, Scott goes on offense and tags back out. Booty tags in uh, Rick, who barks. When the hell did Craig start getting actual actual moves in? This isn't right. I don't uh, know. When did Scott Steiner like randomly go from this like stringy hair to like looking completely fugly and scary? <laughs> Uh, Craig finally tags in Scott and we get brother versus brother. Uh, they lock up and Scott backs Rick to the ropes An arm ringer into a fireman's carry takeover by Scott headlock takeover by Rick gets a one count. Rick sends Scott across, tries to duck under, but Scott stops, put Rick, puts Rick in a waist lock and we get some grappling. We get some catches, catch can, uh, Rick ducks a clothesline and hits one of his own on the return. They put each other in full Nelson's Rick ends his with a suplex. Belly to belly from the top, and Booty tags himself in. Scott avoids a charge, sending Booty into the turnpost, and Craig tags in. A wrist lock, another tag, a slam, another tag. And Craig puts Booty in a cross-arm breaker called the Code Red, which is apparently his finishing move. Booty shuffles to his corner and tags out, and Rick Germans Craig and pins him. That match was better than it had any right to be. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I think the... Steiner versus Steiner was really fun. Yeah. I think that... Well, like, especially because they, they played it up so much in the first match and didn't give it to us at all, yeah. which is a classic total disappointment, not including the count-out, the double count-out. And then we finally, you know, here we finally see an actual tag team going up against each other, which is nice. Right. And Bobby Heenan was brilliant uh, going on about all the things. Like, he was talking about... I can't remember which one of the two is the younger brother, but he was going on about how, like, this is for all the times you had to wear the <laughs> hand-me-downs. Yeah. Uh, this is for all the times, blah, blah, blah. It was just really good. Like, well, Bobby Heenan is, like, the star of anything. He's He can turn shit into gold. Yes. Uh, also, Tony called the full Nelson suplex a German suplex and the German suplex a back suplex. Uh, personally, as I mentioned earlier, I was surprised at the amount of offense that Craig got in this, that the, in this match, but, uh, thankfully he did not actually win. Sadly, that means the booty man did actually win. So yeah, good old booty. Can't, 
can't win them all. Uh, match number four. They are not fucking around tonight. Lord Stephen Regal and Squire no. David Taylor with Jeeves F. Tompkins against Hacksaw Jim Duggan and VK Wall Street. Uh, Dusty calls Jeeves chives again, and Bobby makes the same chives chafes joke he made last time at Uncensored. Uh, for being, quote, one of the richest men in wrestling, unquote, you would think VK Wall Street would be able to afford a better fitting jacket. Yeah, I thought I wrote the same thing down. It's like <laughs> he, he's like swimming and it's like 10 times too big for him. Yeah. Uh, Duggan starts a USA chant because that's really all he's got. Uh, and he starts the match with Regal. They do a couple of minutes of nothing, and Duggan starts another USA chant, because that's all he's fucking got. Yeah, my second note in this match was pretty much this whole match is just chanting. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, Dusty's word of the day calendar uh, was <gasps> the word soliloquy, because he's used, yes! it, he's oh used it twice so far tonight. When uh, when Ray was watching this, uh, not really watching it, he was listening while playing on his Nintendo Switch, and he just like at one point looked at him and said, "Has he said soliloquy like four times?" <laughs> and I was like, I, I, "I think so." Yeah, it's such a weird word for yeah. him to use. Yeah, uh, Duggan and Wall Street don't get along. Is the story here? Uh, Duggan tapes his fist ridiculously. Seriously, go go back and watch that moment. Yeah. Yeah, why does a tape fist do more damage than a closed regular closed fist? I've been asking myself that for weeks here. Okay, um, but, but just the image of hey, seriously, go you don't watch Slamber Eight ninety six, but watch uh, watch this moment in this match where Duggan takes out the tape because literally he basically holds the end of the tape in his fist and then just swings his arm around in a circle as the tape just flies around his arm. It's it's, uh, pretty, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's terrible. It's the terrible. only entertaining thing Jim Duggan has done on this show so far. Um, yeah, which of course, as as we mentioned, makes it amazingly powerful, and he KOs Squire David Taylor for the pin. I am so fucking tired of Jim Duggan. <laughs> I think the, my last note about this match was just this pay per view is bad. I think I had <laughs> lost all. Will, I think I had lost all all will to live at this point. Like which they're is just sad, like because we're fire. only four matches in. I know, but there's like 700 more of these lethal lottery matches to yeah. go. And like, they just keep rapid firing them. And I uh -huh. didn't realize that there were going to be so many fucking tag team matches. Yeah, no, it's, we'll, we'll yeah, we, we can talk about that in the wrap up. It was not a good choice. Uh, match number five, dirty Dick Slater with Colonel Parker and Earl Robert Eaton also with Jeeves. Uh, by the way, the, the team, uh, as, as Martin coined them on the first edition of this episode, the team of uh, Eaton Dick, Eaton Dick uh, uh, against Alex Wright and Disco Inferno, who I feel like calling the dancing douchebags. Disco starts with Slater. This match ends literally moments later as Wright takes Eaton over the top. Parker distracts Randerson and Slater clocks Disco with one of his boots and pins him. It's almost as though they scheduled too many matches tonight. Yep. This was barely a match. Do you have any thoughts? No. No, I don't. I don't. I literally have two bullet points, and one says "motherfucking Disco Inferno," <laughs> and the second one, <laughs> the second one just says "who the fuck is Dirty Dick Slater." Uh, that, that's all. That's all I put down. That's all I wrote down about this match. That's all I remember about this match. There you go. Uh, well, that's all there really was. Match seven: Big Bubba, who is suddenly in the Dungeon of Doom for no provided reason, and Stevie Ray versus Fire and Ice. Bubba, no, you're missing something, buddy. What's that? 
You skipped over DDP and Bar- and Barbarian versus Ming and Hugh Morris. I that skipped, was first. I skipped match number six because I had already. Which scro- is actually the one that I was I, the most excited for. I had this already. Sc- I had already scrolled up on my notes. My apologies. Let's go back. Clean edit point. Who? Yeah, like I'm going to do that. Match number six: Diamond Dallas Page <laughs> and the Barbarian versus Meng and Hugh Morris. So the DDP retirement gimmick lasted maybe three weeks. Good work. Page starts with Morris. Page fakes out of a couple of lockups and goes on the offensive with an eye poke. We get the faces of fear facing off. So two out of the three tag teams that have been randomly drawn to face each other in the first round have actually faced each other in the first round. Thanks, Legion of Doom. Um, They start by no-selling each other. Barbarian and Page actually do a double-team maneuver on Meng, which was pretty cool. Uh, Huge belly-to-belly off the top gets a two-count when Meng makes the save for Morris. Dallas then saves the Barbarian after a beautiful moonsault by Hugh. The finish comes when Barbarian pins Morris and Meng covers Page. Randerson counts both pinfalls for some reason, but sees that Page's foot is outside the ropes and therefore declares Barbarian and Page your winners. Strange ending, but I think this is the best match of the night so far. I would agree. I actually, coming into this one, I like all four of these guys. I was, you know, back in the WWE days, I really did enjoy Barbarian and Haku. Uh, now Isn't seeing that? them here, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I seeing them here, it's like, I assume their career would be pretty much over, but they, you know, seems like they ran strong for a little while in WCW. Uh, it was a good match. The ending was sloppy as all hell. It, it didn't make any sense. It I, took away from the match. I want to know what Randerson's plan was if he got to three on both pinfalls, because it was one man from each team. So is that one just going to be a no contest as well? I guess, but like it was after he even counted the three that he was like, uh, "Oh wait, yeah, uh, his leg." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't. It was it was sloppy, but yeah, I, yeah, I enjoyed this match. I enjoyed this match. Yeah. Now it's time for match seven. Uh, Big Bubba and Stevie Ray versus Fire and Ice. Big Bubba is now dra- has now gone from the white shirt with the black pants and the suspenders to either a biker or a leather daddy in a gay porn film. Stevie Ray's entrance is accompanied by footage of another incredible white guy dancing. Uh, Stevie, oh, that is awesome. <laughs> Stevie starts off with Scott Norton. Later on, Scott fails miserably at flapjacking Bubba. In comes Ice Train and both men go down. Norton back in and Stevie attacks from behind. Norton hits a shitty looking clothesline. A double shoulder block that is apparently Ice, uh, Fire and Ice's finisher and Fire and Ice move on in the tournament. These matches are so quick because they scheduled a stupid amount of matches for a three hour pay per view. This is Yo. why the King of the Ring always started on Raw. Yeah, no, I, I have nothing to say about this match. It was terrible. Not even gay biker Big Bubba. Well, I mean that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean I'm, I'm for that. But uh, aside from that, you know, no, I just nothing, nothing. Don't have any memories. I took one note that just said seriously nothing much to say about this one. Yeah. I really had nothing to say. Yes. Uh, thankfully, up next is your eighth and final first round match: Eddie Guerrero and Arn Anderson versus Ric Flair and Macho Man Randy Savage. Seriously, it is so lucky of these of this random drawing to put all these teams against each other in the first round and not say, you know, Scott Steiner versus Ric Flair. Anyway, random. Flair does not come out, so they stop playing his music and start playing Savage's music. Savage is actually here. Uh, They then play Flair's music again, and Flair sneaks out as Anderson attacks Savage. Flair runs to the ring and joins the attack. Eddie manages to fight off Anderson and starts the match with Flair. Then Woman and Elizabeth sneak out from the back. Flair tags Savage, then smacks him, then drags Eddie over and makes him tag Anderson. And then Flair and Anderson go at Savage again. 
Savage starts to fight back and kicks out of a double uh, double A spinebuster. Flair tags himself back in and then attacks Savage. Eddie comes in and goes after Flair with some vicious strikes, another drop kick, and a tornado DDT. And Savage then attacks Flair. Anderson then DDTs Eddie, then drags Savage out of the ring and throws him into the barricade. Flair pins an unconscious Guerrero, and he and Savage advance. Uh, Flair scoops up Elizabeth and brings her to Savage so she can slap him in the face, and then Anderson DDTs Savage on the floor. Uh, 20 bucks says the random draw teams them up again in the second round. Uh, I was not expecting Flair and Savage to move on, but Anderson does his duty as a horseman and ensures that Flair is in round two, uh, trying to get that title shot. Now, I don't know about you, I really appreciated the story that they told in this match, uh, even with the entrances. Uh, I think this is my new best match of the night so far. I could not disagree with you more. Really? Uh, yes. The psychology made zero, zero sense in this. I get that these two don't like each other. Totally makes sense. I get that. If Flair wants to win, he has to win two tag team matches. If he takes out his partner, then Flair is fighting a two-on-one match. And I know he's motherfucking Ric Flair, <laughs> but... It made zero sense. The the constant tagging in and out and then attacking Macho and then Eddie felt lost throughout the entire thing. Just everything about this was really, really, really bad storytelling in my book. Hmm. Well, you don't have you know you don't have the, the the additional context of the past few weeks of Nitro, where the big story going on now is that you know Flair has Elizabeth, Elizabeth has all of Macho's money. Macho is a crazy person. Uh, which is great if you if you go back and watch that at all. So really, the story here is not that is not really that Flair so much wants to uh, wants to you know win the tournament, win the Battle Bowl. The story here is that Flair just wants to take out Savage, just wants to eliminate Savage. And I think in doing so, you know, they they do move on to the second round. I think so that they have another chance for him to just beat the shit out of Savage if he gets a chance. But I. I with with all the context of what's been going on, I think the story here was great. You know, you kind of you, you and we we get a little bit of it, a little bit of closure on it on Nitro of, of poor Eddie Guerrero. You know, kind of just getting caught up in this and you know not uh, just kind of getting tossed to the side and getting kind of getting screwed out of this shot at the Battle Bowl because of Flair's plan. And you know, we'll talk about it in a few minutes here where we get Flair versus Guerrero on Nitro. But right. I, to me, with all with, with all that context, I think this was this was beautifully done. But you know, where you were, you're, I think where you're just just watching this, I think it, without that uh, without that context, it may it may be lacking for you. But that's you. I, I guess. Mean, I guess. So. I, I guess so. But like, it would have made more you're, sense if yeah, you're sure. Levin, you're beat entitled the hell out to your own opinion, even though you're wrong. Uh, okay, uh, <laughs> but no, I think if they would have beat the hell out of him and then had Arn go over. And have Arn win, you know, like I, I, it's just, it, I don't know, it just didn't make any sense. But, yeah, but I, get, all, get it. I get, I get the background. Yeah, you also get, you also get, you know, Arn's role as the enforcer in that, yeah, you, know, you know, when when Flair was the champion and the, you know, when the whole Dungeon Doom thing kind of first started, Arn's, Arn Anderson's big thing was, we are here to keep the title on Flair, and so mm-hmm. I think he's he's playing his role as a horseman in in you know making sure that you know Flair continues in the tournament, but also. You know, playing his role as Flair's running buddy by helping him beat the shit out of Macho Man. Uh, I, I think it worked. Um, okay, so what did you think of the first round as a whole? Uh, <laughs> okay. It, uh, exhausting. <laughs> exhausting. It was exhausting. Yeah. 
Uh, we go to the desk. I was desk. tired of tag team matches. That's all I'm going to say. I was tired <laughs> of tag team matches. <sighs> we go to the desk, and Tony runs down a list of superstars who've moved on. He reminds us that the first match had no winners, so one team gets a bye straight into the Battle Bowl final. Bobby and Dusty then begin to argue. Enjoy the sage wisdom of Tony Schiavone. They're going to have to come to the ring again. Well, I, I don't I think just Macho Man's coming back. That's what I said. Well, I just condensed it. That's I, I what just, I said. I, I know it, what you I said, laid it but out I know there. what I said. So you can say whatever you want to say when you want to say it, but if I want to say something, I can say it to him, right? Say something. Sometimes tag teams have to coexist to be successful. I was going to say. So do broadcast teams. Yes, but that can't always happen when one guy's wearing a recliner. You know, when we get to the drawing... It, what would have made a whole lot of sense? It would have made the, that last match make like even better is if they would have had like drawn Flair and Macho going on to the last round. So that way you still have Flair going for the title. You still have an opportunity for Macho Man to get some revenge um, for some more shenanigans, but they didn't do that. Yeah. I think was it was it Fire and Ice that got the <laughs> we'll get there or that. some shit. We'll get anyway. There. Yeah, we'll uh, get there. Tony then sends us to the commercial for the Great American Bash, live and only on pay-per-view, Sunday, Father's Day, June 16th. Uh, we go over to Mean Gene. Pull up your socks and get ready. Who is a creep to some Hooters girls who are going to help him pick the second round matchups. Jesus fucking Christ. Now, now, despite Tony's description earlier, they're not shuffling teams, they're just picking which already assembled teams will face each other. Uh, Fire and Ice move on to the Battle Bowl final, thanks to the bye. Eaton and Slater... Eaton Dick will take on Duggan and Wall Street, and that's all we get for now, because it is cruiserweight title time. Brad Armstrong, patriotic jacket Brad, is trying to take the title from the brand new, less than 24 hours old, cruiserweight champion, Dean Malenko. Not, well, Dean's not less than 24 hours old. His title reign is... <laughs> anyway. That's, that's what you call the misplaced modifier. They, they, thank you, English. They start <laughs> with reversals on reversals on reversals on reversals until Armstrong hits an enzigiri on Malenko, then more reversals and a drop kick sends Malenko for a breather in the aisle. Brad goes for a test of strength. Dean grabs one of his hands and then promptly drop kicks Brad in the knee. He then goes to work on the leg while Heenan makes a psychosis psoriasis joke. Good times. Some kind of leg lace submission, then a body slam, then a move that I can best describe as a Vader bomb, but he drives his knees into the injured leg of Armstrong. Malenko has found Armstrong's weak point. A tree of woe and another drop kick directly to the knee. Armstrong counters a Samoan drop into a sunset flip, but Malenko kicks out at two and goes right back to work on the knee. He goes for another Vader bomb knee strike, but Armstrong gets a boot up and Malenko goes face first into his feet. Armstrong puts Malenko into the cloverleaf, which is Malenko's finisher. <gasps> but Malenko crawls to the ropes. Malenko dumps Armstrong to the outside, then hits a gut buster from the top rope for three to retain the cruiserweight championship. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, I yeah. can't really say too much bad about it. Um, it was a Brad Dean, it was a Dean Malenko match, so it was certainly solid. Yeah, exactly, Brad Armstrong. I don't really know him. I just know that his ass was eating his trunks the entire <laughs> match. Um, it looks like he was looking for to eat all of it. It was insane. Um, but yeah, it was nice to have a singles match. Maybe I think of that maybe jaded why I liked it so much. Yeah. Um, you know, the just the simple fact that we had not like four people in the ring. So, so I kind of enjoyed that. <laughs> um, no, it was, um, during this match, um, Bobby makes a comment about how much the crowd is being quiet because they're enjoying the match. Is that how that works? It's when they're trying to cover for like how dead the crowd is. Is that, is that a thing? Yeah. They're really focused on how good it is. 
yeah, that was terrible. Uh, but no, it was a good match. It was a good match. It was probably the best match so far tonight. Yeah. Uh, I'm still on the Flair, uh, Savage, Anderson, Guerrero thing, but uh, you know, you're still wrong. Uh, we get the same Glacier promo that's been airing for wait, weeks wait, wait. now. Hmm? Wait, do you mean, do you mean, do you mean like Glacier as in? Did you, did, did you hear that? <laughs> Uh, I haven't gotten to that part yet, so I don't know. <laughs> we uh, he's, he's a Mortal Kombat character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we go back to Gene with the Hooters girls who have changed name tags, and it's hilarious. Uh, the next uh-huh. randomly assigned match is Public Enemy versus Flair and Savage. That leaves DDP and the Barbarian versus the Booty Man and Rick Steiner. All right, tuck in, folks. The second round of the Battle Bowl begins with Slater and Eaton, Eaton Dick, who won their first match in all of two minutes against Duggan and Wall Street. Duggan starts the match by fighting Wall Street because he is a moron. (laughs) Eaton and Slater watch for a moment, then join in. Things get settled. Then at one point, Duggan grabs Randy Eller for reasons I do not understand. Wall Street puts Eaton in an abdominal stretch and reaches for Duggan, who refuses to help him cheat. We swap and then have Duggan versus Slater. They do a shoulder block spot where both men go down. Duggan more so than Slater, who shoulder blocks Slater and then jumps in the air and spins a little bit before hitting the mat. Because he is a moron. They then Mm -hmm. both tag out. Eaton ducks a punch and Wall Street hits Duggan, so Duggan punches Wall Street and Eaton rolls him up for three. Eaton and Slater move on to the Battle Bowl as Duggan and Wall Street continue to fight. The only... Good thing I can say about this match is we don't have to see Jim Duggan anymore tonight. Yeah, um, the refs count was super fast. Like, <laughs> like even the refs, like, let's get through this. Uh, the the fans are super apathetic for this match. Like, they could give zero shits yeah. about what's going on in the ring. Um, I do give it to Tony Schiavone though. Schiavone is trying his is just really putting all of his life into trying to bring some energy into this and just trying to deal with and ignoring Dusty Rhodes' weird-ass comments. <laughs> and it's just it's it's just a mess of a pay-per-view. I didn't think anything could be worse than the last time I was on here with like all the different rings and the cameras, but I'm, I think it, this pay-per-view is giving it a run for its money. I'm not, not going to lie. It's a soliloquy, baby. A soliloquy. Up next, Flair and Savage versus Public Enemy. Flair enters, and Elizabeth throws $1 bills into the crowd until Savage runs out and attacks Flair. Uh, Craig, Sergeant Craig and the American males run out to hold Macho back. Public Enemy win by countout, according to Shivani, despite there never being an opening bell. So that happened. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. I, I really don't know what to think about it. Yeah. It's a thing. So one more second round match, DDP and the Barbarian versus the Booty Man and Rick Steiner. Uh, Dallas starts with Rick and he immediately diverts his attention to Kimberly. When he turns around, Booty is the legal man. DDP gets sent out of the ring and ends up tangled in the camera cable, which made me chuckle. Uh, Barbarian in, he goes on the offensive until Rick ducks a big boot and hooks Barbarian by the crotch and just throws him up and over. Rick telegraphs a back body drop and gets a chop to the back and a powerbomb I can only describe as jackknife-esque. DDP distracts the ref so he doesn't see Booty tag in. Barbarian throws Rick over the top, and Shivani says it would have been a DQ if Nick Patrick hadn't been trying to get Booty out of the ring, because God knows we can't make up our mind on that fucking rule just yet. Finally, Rick drops Barbarian neck first across the top rope and tags Booty in. Booty hits the high knee, and DDP breaks up the pin <laughs> at two. Hi. 
Heine. That's his, that's his fucking finisher. Uh, Booty rolls up Barbarian, but the referee is distracted by Rick. DDP drops an elbow across Booty's head, and somehow that is enough for the Barbarian to get the pin. Weird. Yeah, no weird. I don't know. I, I liked uh, the Kimberly DDP stuff because there's some history there. I remember that from last time. Yeah. Uh, so so that was kind of cool. But aside from that, yeah, not not great. This one, I, I enjoyed the DDP Barbarian match from earlier compared what, to this one. What kind of a finisher is just uh, here's an elbow across the back of your head? I well, what kind of finish is a leg drop? I don't know. <laughs> but that's the thing is that's not DDP's finisher. That's that's just a move that he did to break up a pin, and yet somehow it pins the booty man. It's uh, the second match. They're all tired. I was gonna say maybe they just gave up too. So your battle bowl is set. It's DDP, the Barbarian, Eaton Dick, Public Enemy, and Fire and Ice. None of those guys scream Lord of the Ring or world title contender to me. Uh, what do you think around two? Uh, not, not, I don't, I don't think it's not good. <laughs> um, it's, it's really bad. You know, you, I thought round one was bad, but like round two, like nothing of note happened. And it's... the people that went through are like, really? Like the only one that I'm looking at, I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe DDP, like, like that could be good, but none of the other people right. really maybe barbarian yeah this is not uh this is not anyone who i would consider any of the top eight contenders in wcw oh don't worry we'll they'll, they'll take care of that later yeah we'll get to that u.s title time jushin thunder liger versus conan mike Tanay is on commentary as the wrestling insider as tony puts it because Apparently, Tony Schiavone, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and Dusty Rhodes don't know shit about shit. <laughs> I love how I had, to bring, I had to bring someone else in, like, oh, this is our resident person that actually knows something about wrestling. Here we <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> Conan, still 1N, still looks like a moron. I'm fairly certain he's wearing a blanket. I don't know what's going on with that mask. That mask is terrible. <laughs> um, but that being said... I was jacked to watch this match. Yes, we get some more great camera work. Is during Conan's entrance, we get a crowd shot of the top half of some guy's head. They start off with some mat wrestling, including a very weird pinning maneuver. They go move for move, then some flippy shit, and a pause for crowd response. Tony then points out Conan's hairstyle. He is completely bald, except for a, a small K on the back. Oh, sorry, a big K on the back of his head, a smaller K on the right side of his head, and another small K on the left side of his head. So you heard it here that, for, first, folks. Conan is not just the president of the Hair KKK Club for Men. He's oh, also Jesus. a client. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. No, Conan's a rapper. Conan's a rapper. They they, 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 they spent a lot of this match being like, they're really famous for doing other television. And <laughs> it's like he plays a rapper character. And then, like, Jushin Thunder Liger also has a cartoon based on him or some shit. And I was like, all right, this is great. This is great television. Liger goes on. Did you say that this is the match of the night for me so far? Was that? I haven't even gotten through it yet. Uh, Uh, Oh, oh, sorry. I thought we were done. I'm sorry. Carry on. Please, Please, I'm riveted. We're in the middle of the KKK club joke. Uh, Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I thought we were done. Go ahead. You're just trying to rush through this because you you hated it so much. I hate this pay per view. (laughs) Is it better or worse than World War III? Oh, God. Give me some time to think about okay. it. We'll do that in the final thoughts. <laughs> right. Liger goes on the offensive with a camel clutch and then some stomps to the neck and head. Some kind of bow and arrow submission that Conan breaks out of. Liger then just punches Conan repeatedly in the face. 
They go back and forth with striking combinations, and Conan goes down again. Liger puts him up top and hits a superplex. Liger goes back up and hits a huge splash for two. A drop kick that barely connects sends Conan out of the ring. Liger leaps from the top to the floor and gets a boot to the gut. Back in the ring, and a fisherman's buster gets a two count. An Alabama slam out of the corner, and a jackknife pin gets a two for Conan. Liger counters the finisher with a sunset flip for two. Another rolling pin gets a two. Liger calls for it, gets a sit-out powerbomb for two, and what seemed like a slow count this time by Randy Eller. Uh, a scoop slam by Liger, and he goes back to the top, but Conan gets the boots up. A sit-out crucifix powerbomb by Conan gets the three, and Conan is still the United States Championship. That was not as bad as some other Conan matches we have seen on this program. He stole the United States, cha- uh, United States Championship? Is that what I said? That's what, what you said. <laughs> it's what I wrote, so that oh, makes okay. sense. Fair enough. No, this is a great match. Uh, then again, I haven't seen Conan matches like a whole lot. <laughs> But I loved it. This match was great. This was match of the night. This was really, really good. I like. I've always liked Liger. I've always enjoyed Conan. What I have seen. So yeah, no, I I dug this match. Yes, I certainly think that that the quality of this match is certainly more on the shoulders of of, of Liger than it is Conan. Um, Conan has not impressed me in any other match that I've seen him in so far. Go go back and watch Super Brawl Six and watch Conan versus One Man Gang for the United States Championship. It's garbage. Um, well, you got one man gang in there, first of all. But uh, this was this was uh, this was yeah, this was a decent match. But certainly, again, I, I I give I credit that to Liger and not Conan. Mean Gene is back in the aisle. He brings out Flair, Woman, and Miss Elizabeth along with Arn Anderson. Flair tells us that Macho Man has been locked up again, and tomorrow he gets evaluated medically. Flair says tonight he's going to have a combination pajama lingerie party, and Gene is invited. Gross. Flair then talks about Mongo. Sadly, this brings out Mongo. Flair challenges Mongo to a tag team match. Mongo has already picked his partner, somehow being clairvoyant. That's my alarm for HQ. You can ignore that. Sadly, uh, (laughs) uh, Mongo's partner is Kevin Green, who you may remember as being mentioned incessantly a few months ago leading up to the Super Bowl. Green screams this deep piece of wisdom. Kevin Green, you, of course, have fought of the career and you've got a tremendous career in progress yourself. I tell you what, I don't say a lot. I do my talking on the football field across this country, baby, but this is one thing I want you to understand, Flair and Anderson. We don't come to play, baby. We're ready to rock and roll anytime, anywhere. You better put your jock on. And remember one thing. You better bring your mouthpiece, baby, because it's going to be a all-day affair. Thank you very much, John. Steve McMichael. It is battle royal time you ready you ready for the battle bowl no we need to take a second okay let's take take a second second. okay um have a moment number one i wrote a note that i don't understand um i wrote apparently i know i remember flair misspeaking and i wrote down a a capsule synopolis (laughs) and and he was trying to say something else and i I I just wrote a capsule synopolis stephanopolis what is he trying to say george stephanopolis george stephanopolis i don't know your boy Ric Flair, you have caused so much havoc, I don't even know where to start. <clears throat> well, let me, in a, a humble moment, give you a capsule synopsis of what has happened tonight. Um, why do we give a fuck about sports ball? Like this, this football, sports ball guy. Like it's, it's so, it's such that 
pandering during the nineties that, and even today still in some, in, in some wrestling, they don't do it as much anymore, but well, I, I understand the running down, like the team of the town you're in. I get that heat, but like, let's bring in random sports ball guy to raise our ratings. Oh, it just drives me nuts. Well, for the past, again, for context, for the past few weeks, uh, Ric Flair has been hitting on Deborah. You remember Deborah? Uh, yes, Mongo's uh, uh, wife. Who was Mongo's wife at this point in time? Oh, yeah. Uh, I so, thought he was married to the Chihuahua. And so, <laughs> Jesus. And so that has made Mongo angry. Mongo mad. And so now Mongo wants to fight Ric Flair, which uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more on Nitro. Thankfully, gets Mongo off of commentary, but sadly means Mongo gets to wrestle. Um, is, this, is this what eventually will lead into him joining the Horseman? I don't know. I'm not there yet. Okay. Well, neither am I. Spoilers. Sorry. Well, we all know he's in the Horseman for a little while. Oh, George Stephanopoulos. It is Battle Royal time. (laughs) Shivani announces that tomorrow's Nitro is an hour and a half, leading into the debut of the two-hour Nitro next week. Given what I said a few minutes ago about none of these guys being world title contender material, I really don't know who to expect to win here. Uh, Shivani here says the winner here gets their title shot at the Great American Bash. Uh, DDP starts the match by getting eliminated, but he doesn't because the referee wasn't watching. Again, just as at World War III, the referee is in the ring for the Battle Royal. This uh, that didn't make any sense. Still makes no sense to me. No, none. Uh, Rocco Rock is the first one eliminated. Then Eaton goes out shortly thereafter after a boot shot from Slater. He takes out Colonel Parker on his way down. Uh, Slater gets eliminated, followed by Norton, and we are down to four. Ice Train, Barbarian, Johnny Grunge, and DDP. DDP hits the Diamond Cutter on all three, and then pins Grunge and Ice Train. There are pinfalls in this? Apparently. And uh, that confused me. And you know what confused me even more, Adam? <laughs> there's, a, there's a long list, but go on. Uh, there's a guy named Ice. On the roster Ice that train. I imagine yeah. is going to disappear soon because Glacier is coming in, right? <laughs> uh, sadly, no. Uh, DDP tries to pin Barbarian, but Barbarian kicks out. We are now down to two. Again, would have been nice if they had told us there were pinfalls in this. Right. Uh, tombstone by Barbarian, but DDP manages that to kick out somehow. <laughs> uh, a sleeper. That, that looks scary. It looked like he broke his neck. A sleeper by Barbarian that DDP counters with a kick to the balls. A big powerbomb by the Barbarian gets a two-count. Barbarian slams him and goes up top, but DDP avoids the diving headbutt. Another diamond cutter, and DDP is your 1996 Lord of the Ring. He gets No fanfare. He gets pyro, he gets a ring, and he gets a title shot next month at the Great American Bash. We go to Gene backstage with the Giant and Jimmy Hart. For some reason, Gene is standing half behind the Giant. Apparently, Jimmy Hart is going to be handcuffed to Lex Luger during this match. Jimmy is not happy about this. Gene reminds Giant that Sting is a five-time world champion, and Giant whispers some strange metaphors. Let's talk about Sting. Here's a man that has been to the top of the mountain before on three occasions, on five occasions. Sting may have gone to the top of the mountain, but the problem is he's not on top of the mountain now because the giant's on top of the mountain. That means that I'm king of the hill. Sting, you can be hungry. You can try to take what's mine, but it's not going to happen. You've been a thorn in my side, a rat under my bed, a cockroach in my apple pie. Tonight, I exterminate everybody. You, Lex Luger, 
Back to the arena for Sting's entrance. He is accompanied by Lex Luger, who looks like he wishes he was anywhere else but in Baton Rouge. Uh, Giant enters, and I am oddly mesmerized by the strap of his singlet sliding back and forth across his titty. Michael Buffer makes the announcements. I mean, do with that knowledge what you will. Michael Buffer makes the announcements. Let's see what he fucks up tonight. Uh, he does manage to get through it error-free. I will let the man they call Sting, as opposed to the man called Sting, slide. And I do have to say, I enjoy him announcing Giant as being from a part of the world unknown to man, instead of just saying parts unknown. Nice Yeah, twist. that was weird. That was weird. Uh, of note, he exits the ring between the second and third rope because he is a lady. Oh. <laughs> The bell rings and they circle, they lock up, and Sting goes off the ropes, ducks a couple clotheslines, and tries a crossbody that doesn't budge the champion. Giant shoves Sting into the ropes and he comes back with a double axe handle, then puts Giant in a sleeper, which he quickly breaks out of. A pair of drop kicks and a clothesline by Sting, and Sting hits the floor to regroup. Luger drags Jimmy Hart over to consult. Sting gets back in the ring and they lock up again into the corner and Sting tries some kicks and Enzigiri does nothing and Giant boots Sting in the face, which staggers Sting across the ring to the other corner. Sting avoids a charge and tries to body slam Giant for some reason, but he can't pick him up and the subsequent pin gets a two count. Giant walks on Sting's chest, then elbow drops him as the crowd roars for Sting. He sends Sting across and hits a back elbow, then he stands on Sting's back in the ropes. He picks Sting up and backs him into the corner for some shoulder blocks, sends him across, and they start exchanging blows. Giant headbutts Sting in the dick right in front of Randerson, who briefly admonishes him. Another elbow drop to Sting's chest, then a body scissors by the Giant. At ringside, Jimmy is pleading with Luger about something. Giant keeps grabbing the ropes for leverage until finally Randerson spots him and breaks it up. Giant then kicks Sting in the midsection and Irish whips him. He telegraphs a backdrop and gets kicked in the face, but Giant just throws Sting to the floor. He follows and throws Sting up the aisle. He goozles Sting and goes to chokeslam him through a table that's there for no goddamn reason, but Luger has laid Jimmy across the table to stop him. I thought that was a really good spot. That made sense to me. Yeah, no, that that was a good spot. Like, it's better than the end of the match that makes <laughs> no sense, but we'll get there. They go back to the ring, and Giant hits Sting with one beat of the Bowery. Sting somehow managed to send Randerson flying out of the ring. I watched it, like, three times, and I still didn't see how that happened. Uh, Giant goes flying into the corner. Sting hits a splash. Luger and Jimmy climb the stairs for some reason. Giant goozles Lex, and Sting hits another splash, and then four more splashes. He finally knocks the giant over, and Luger falls off the apron, which pulls Jimmy Hart up onto the turnbuckles. Sting, for some reason, goes to splash Jimmy, but Lex pulls him off, seemingly inadvertently. Sting hits the buckles, then Flair flops face first into Giant's balls. Randerson crawls back into the ring. Giant hits a splash from the top, which Giant... Uh, sorry, Sting hits a splash from the top. Whoops. That'd be an interesting sight. Uh, which Giant kicks out of by pressing him up, over, and on top of Randerson, who gets knocked out again. Giant hits another splash, but referee is still out. Sting puts Giant in the Scorpion, and we get the same spot from one of the early pay-per-views we covered here, where Jim and Luger, Jimmy and Luger are fighting over his megaphone, and then they both clock Sting in the face with it. Giant choke slams Sting and retains his WCW World's Heavyweight Championship. Could you possibly get more overbooked than the last two minutes of that match? No, yeah, and I don't understand, like... Is it Luger turning on Sting? What's the motivation? But then why are they tagging uh, the next night? But we'll there's no problem. never know. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. 
We go back to commentary where Dusty and Bobby continue to argue about whether or not Luger hit Sting on purpose. Tony reminds us that tomorrow's Nitro is 90 minutes, and we get that god-awful production music that we've had all night as the credits roll. Uh, do you notice that music that they played? No, I really wasn't paying attention. Do you think you can play a little bit of it for us? Nitro! For the dream and for Bobby the Brain Heenan, I'm Tony Schiavone. Have a good night, everybody. When we're down, let's put that ring. This production music that they play between every single match because they weren't taking breaks at all. <laughs> um, yeah, so I feel like there was a lot of potential for this show, but the decision to have the entire pay per view on the entire tournament on the pay per view really dragged this show down. There were 15 matches on this pay per view. That's so many. That's five matches an hour. As such. The only match over 10 minutes on the show was the main event. And how long do you think that that, that, that match went? Uh, 15? 10 minutes and 41 seconds. That's it? Yeah. God, it felt like an eternity. Before I give the cage match rating, uh, what did you think? How did you feel about Slambury 96 as a whole? You know, Slambury is not... I mean, I think WCW has like a lot of gimmicky pay-per-views and i can't really say anything uh, about that because you know wwe has a lot of gimmicky pay-per-views especially (laughs) in modern times but the difference is that at least the wwe gimmicky pay-per-views mostly work um this did not work at all it just was chaotic but not a good chaotic it was just like here's a whole bunch of mostly undercard people all fighting in a tournament and tag teams <laughs> to yeah. fighting in a tournament for to be to fight the world champion, and the only outcome that would have made any sense is Flair or Macho Man, really. Uh, and you don't have them even in the last match, so it it's just it's bonkers. Um, the title, other title matches were okay, with the exception I didn't really care for the main event. I've never been a huge fan of Giant's run in WCW. I don't think he's that impressive. I don't think he really ever gets that impressive, honestly, even as the big show. But uh, at least in WWE, there was a little more personality to his character. Uh, but here, he's just not... He's just a big... I'm big, I lumber, I smash. And it's just... It's not good. It was not a good pay-per-view. It was it was just shit pay-per-view. And I <laughs> I don't know if i call it worse than uh, World War III. Uh, I, I'd probably put them... I don't know if I'd put, even put them on equal footing. I think this is worse, <laughs> because at least at World War III, there were some interesting matchups that... I don't know. This is bad. Bad, 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 bad. <laughs> if you if you had to guess, what would you what would you guess the cage match rating is? Uh, out, of, out of ten. Out of ten, um, I'm gonna say three point four. Very close. Three point five nine. Oh really? Cage match. Three point five nine. I would call that appropriate. Maybe a bit low, but not that low. 
Um, my match of the night is still the last first round match: Anderson and Guerrero versus Flair and Savage. I know you disagree. What is your match of the night? I'm going to go with the Conan match. Conan Liger was my favorite match. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, all right. As is tradition, as is usual with these pay-per-view episodes, we do have a job to do at this point in the show. I mean, we're Sla- not done. Is Sla- it the break? Is it the break card? I don't know. Oh wait, that- sorry, wrong show. I don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. I know what it is. I, I know what it is on your show. I don't know what the reference is because I don't watch anime. Um, also, well, you mean, but you do listen to Tuning Japanese, a podcast where three dudes in their thirties talk about anime, though, right? I was just about to say, don't plug your shit till the end. Oh, God uh, damn it. <laughs> too late. Oh, it's always too late with you. Um, okay, Slamboree '96 is the last appearance of one of the superstars we just talked about, so a decision needs to be made. Now, this man's, oh. this man's tag team partner will return for a cup of coffee after a tour of Japan and a WWF run that Henry is actually in the middle of over on the Raw Attitude podcast. But May 19th, 1996 marks the last appearance of Road Warrior Hawk in WCW. Now, what oh. say you, my good man? Do we retire Hawk's jersey to the Nitro Mania rafters, or do we throw it in the dumpster where Raccoon Reigns can chew it up and use it for bedding? I miss Raccoon Reigns. Uh, I think we definitely we we retire that jersey because if if not this run, the earlier run of the Road Warriors and WCW was a very 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 important aspect of that company. Uh, so I, I have to say you let's memorialize that shit. Let's See? let's 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 put it up there. See, here's the thing. I both agree with you and disagree with you. If we were doing the entire career. Of Road Warrior Hawk, I would say absolutely send that shit to the rafters. But here on Nitromania, the last 36 episodes, the last 36 weeks of WCW programming, he has done fuck all nothing. And so, in my opinion, counting just what he's done in this time period in WCW, I'm going to say we got we to gotta check that in the dumpster. That is so sad. No, it's Road Warrior Hawk. Dude, he's about to have one of the shittiest runs in in the next year or so, we've got to give him a pity. Like, just, just just throw him a little <laughs> bit of pity here. He's gonna he's gonna get super drunk and fall off the Titan Tron. Can we can we at least just give him? Can we at least give him this episode forty seven? I believe of the Raw Attitude podcast. Just a I few, do believe just a few weeks ago. Yes, indeed. Um, I tell you what we'll do. Uh, when this episode goes up on Tuesday. Uh, please send me a text to remind me because I'll probably forget. I will put a poll up on on my Twitter account at NitromaniaPod, and I will have the fans vote as to whether or not this WCW run, this run of Hawk on Nitromania, is worthy of rafters or dumpster. And next week, we will announce if if Road Warrior Hawk goes to the rafters or goes to the dumpster. I love it. Let's do so. it. That's how we're going to break ties here. Vote, vote Team Andy I mean, because I could, he's always right. <laughs> I could just use Martin as the tiebreaker because uh, he agrees with me, but uh, we'll let the fans decide. Yeah. We'll let the fans decide. All, hey, all three of you, get on the Twitter and vote Rude. for Rafters. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> only like, that's only like two less than I have on Tuning Japanese, so it's okay. <laughs> all right. Any final thoughts on Slambury before we move to Nitro? Let's just get it over with. Okay. <laughs> All right. It is Monday, May 20th, 1996, and we are live from an undisclosed location for the first ever Nitro that's more than an hour long. Wait, and- really? They, they, they play it up that way? Like, we don't, we're not going to tell you where we are. 
pretend. No, they just they just don't announce it. They do that a lot. Oh, oh okay, never mind then. Uh, Fuck that town. <laughs> and saints be praised, there is no Mongo at the desk. That is so sad. I want to see Pepe, and I want to see what he's wearing, and this... <laughs> This this fashion corner is now incomplete, and I hate it. I hate it. I want Mongo. Sadly, it means that Mongo is going to start wrestling. Eric sends us to a quick video recap of Flair challenging Mongo to a match last night, and Mongo introducing Kevin Green and, and his rat tail as his tag team partner. <laughs> Eric Bischoff is wearing a T-shirt with a button collar and a denim vest tonight. How bizarre. There's your fashion show. You happy? Oh, there we go. There's my fashion corner. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Heenan says that Flair will beat Mongo and Green so badly that they'll throw up. Whoop. I hit, I hit the pop filter. Your opening contest this evening is Fire and Ice against the Steiner Brothers. During the entrances, Bischoff calls Macho Man a certifiable fruitcake and tells us that since it's already been signed that Flair will face Eddie Guerrero tonight, that Macho Man has, again, been banned from entering the building. Scott starts with Ice Train and takes him over with an arm drag back into the corner, and Train blocks a couple of hip tosses, then takes Scott down into a side headlock, and Scott throws him off but takes a shoulder block. Scott hits the mat and then hip tosses Train on the rebound. Train hits a big belly-to-belly and gets a two-count. Then Scott suplexes Train. Each man then tags out. Rick and Norton lock up back into the corner, and Norton just beats Rick up across the ring. Rick gets clotheslined and splashed off the second rope. A diving shoulder block takes Steiner down, then a pair of clotheslines. Rick avoids the third, and German suplexes Norton to the mat. A clothesline from Steiner gets a two-count. Rick tags out, and it's Scott versus Scott. Steiner hits a full Nelson suplex and drops Norton right on his neck. He then tosses him out of the ring and dives from the top to the outside with an elbow. Norton rolls in, reversal of the Irish whip, and a big Samoan drop by Norton gets a two-count. A chop by Norton, and he tags out. Steiner tags out as well. A double shoulder block from Fire and Ice sends Rick to the floor. Train follows him out whilst the Scots fight outside on the other side. And again, we get a double countout. Uh, they continue to brawl the Scots at ringside as Train and Rick fight to the entrance. Nick Patrick informs Scott Norton that the match is over, and Scott looks dismayed. We go to commercial with the promise of Eddie versus Flair when we come back. Two nights in a row, two opening contests that end in double countout. Yeah, okay, so I will say, I love the Steiner brothers. They are amazing. They they put a, a good match together against a team that is not very good, and even though it was, it felt like big men just like beating the shit out of each other, the Steiner brothers impressed the hell out of me, and I, I've always been a, a big fan of that particular tag team, uh, and they, they did a good job here. Um, it's it's just I don't know. It's just I don't. I, they're wasted. It seems with <laughs> this like with the rest of the tag team division. You know what I mean? Like there is no other real tag team division aside from maybe like um, uh, Booker T and uh, Stevie Ray. Yeah. Or Lord Stephen Regal and Squire David Taylor. Yeah, I'll pass. Public Enemy. Sting, uh, and, yeah. Sting and Luger are the tag team champions. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> During the break, we get a WCW magazine ad talking about exclusive pictures from Uncensored, which was like two and a half months ago, you guys. And they wonder why print went out of style. Uh, Eddie ret- enters when we return, then Flair, as Bischoff promises, looks into Mongo and Green's training camp in the weeks to come. Flair taunts Mancho again, and the bell rings. They lock up, and Eddie gets a headlock takeover into the corner, and another headlock takeover. 
to the ropes, and Eddie gets a shoulder block, a duck, and Flair gets drop kicked for two, and then we go back into the headlock, then a drop toe hold, then a headlock. Flair gets some chops in the corner, and Eddie fights out. They go to another corner, and Eddie fights out. He sends Flair across and back drops him, then a drop kick, then another drop kick sends Flair out of the ring. Flair grabs a chair from his VIP table, and Randerson tells him to cut that shit out. Back in the ring, and they lock up again. Eddie back on the offensive. He hits the floor and taunts Flair. The crowd is resoundingly behind Guerrero in this match. Eddie chops Flair in the corner, and we get a flop and a beg off. Then a thumb to the eye takes us to commercial. We come back from break, and Flair has Eddie in some kind of headlock, surprisingly enough. Eddie fights out and clotheslines Flair down, and twice more, then Eddie goes up and hits a sunset flip for two. Flair backs off, and Eddie tries a ten punch, but gets atomic dropped for his troubles. An elbow drop by Flair gets a two count, then another two count. A rolling knee by Flair, then back to the corner with some more chops, and Eddie fights out again. More chops... More punches, and Eddie counters a hip toss with a backslide that gets a one count. A small package by Eddie gets a two count. There's more strikes than a side suplex by Flair, and both men are down. Eddie counters a figure four attempt with a small package, but Flair was in the ropes. Then Eddie puts Flair in the figure four himself. Flair wriggles his way to the ropes. Flair leaves the ring. Eddie goes up top, but Flair sidesteps, and Eddie gets nothing but barricade. A vertical suplex by Flair on the outside. Eddie rolls back into the ring, and Flair hits a chop block. Uh, a big stalling vertical suplex by Flair gets a two count. Eddie rolls up Flair for a two count. A cross body gets a two count for Eddie. This match, surprisingly boring. Uh, tornado DDT by Eddie gets two. Eddie walks the ropes and hits a Hurricane Rana, then a slam. Then Eddie goes up top and hits the frog splash, but his weakened knee prevents him from pinning Flair immediately. Flair locks onto that knee, puts on the figure four, and Eddie's shoulders get counted to the mat for a pinfall. That was a long match. And I feel like something was missing. I think I agree with you, first of all. And I think that the problem here was that, you know, going in, I was really excited. Ric Flair versus Eddie Guerrero. Yes, please. I will take this. Uh, I think maybe it's just the styles. Those styles don't go well together. Ric Flair, you know, I mean, at this point, he's already getting old at this point. Uh, (laughs) And he's he's not he's not going to go toe to toe with a cruiserweight. In that way, yeah. and so so it limits Eddie Guerrero and what he can do. He Eddie has to work a slower pace match, and that doesn't suit Eddie Guerrero. So it was not great. All right, we go to Mean Gene at Flair's VIP table. Gene says he's heard that Savage is in the building. Flair says Macho Man's in prison. <laughs> he then accuses Mongo of not being there tonight because he's running scared. He then promises to end Kevin Green's career. Flair grabs the champagne and leaves. Up next, the faces of fear. Versus the tag team champions. We come back from Blake and f- from Blake. Who's Blake? We come back from break and Flair is in Mongo's spotted commentary. Wonderful. Bobby lights the candelabra as Flair basically <laughs> oh as Flair basically says that he fucked Jane Fonda. You've been here before, uninvited. This time, you're you are an invited Ted Turner guest. Turner saw me up here twice. He said I was a must on the set, and that's why I'm here. Well, Jane loves the Nature Boy. Oh really? <laughs> Woo! Oh, really? Enter the faces of fear while Bischoff questions how Sting can be here tonight after getting walloped with the megaphone last night. Apparently this is a title match, or at least Randy Eller thinks so as he presents the belts to the camera. Luger starts with Meng here, some surprisingly quick offense on the back and forth to open, then a power slam from Luger gets a two count. A huge back suplex and Meng tags Barbarian. Luger tags Sting and Barbarian wants nothing to do with him. Flair then sings us to commercial. Debbie, Debbie, 
Back from break, and Sting counters some double arm lock with a backflip that sends Meng and Barbarian tumbling. Barbarian avoids a drop kick and tags out. Meng puts Sting in a half Boston Crab. Not half in that he only has one leg. A half in that he almost rolls Sting over, but doesn't swing the leg over and sit down. Kind of a lion tamer, but not quite. Double team atomic drop, boot to the face combo, gets a two count before Luger breaks it up to the cheers of the crowd. A huge belly to belly superplex only gets a two count. A double flying headbutt by the faces of fear, but Luger distracts Randy Eller, allowing Sting to kick out at two. Meng prevents Sting from tagging Luger, despite Sting being plenty close enough to tag Luger. Then Barbarian comes in and takes him out again. Sting avoids the diving headbutt and makes the hot tag. A half-assed back body drop by Luger drops Barbarian on his shoulder. Typical hot tag offense, then Meng breaks up a pin at two. Barbarian then decides to superplex Sting, despite Sting not being the legal man in the match. Luger blocks that. Barbarian goes to the mat. Sting hits a huge splash, and Luger pins Barbarian for three to retain the tag team titles. Uh, One question well two things i want to say number one first is a question um are they still why why are they still doing the whole loaded forearm thing like they're like oh he's using the that loaded forearm and they just mention it once like why is that if that they're gonna make that a thing why is that not illegal i don't know i've never understood that makes no damn sense i don't know anything because it's, it's part because it's part of him because it's a surgically implanted i don't fucking know it's okay andy it's wrestling Okay, number two, were you just as creeped out as I was when Flair on commentary is talking about how, uh, talking to Elizabeth saying, like, I saw how you were looking at Luger, and it just, it just, that whole thing made me uncomfortable. Yeah, the, the Flair is kind of a creep. Yeah, I don't know. Just, just, you know, Elizabeth and Luger in general, I try not to think about, you know, <laughs> things. So it always makes, it, yeah, in, uh, yeah, yeah, weird. Um, but yeah, that was, that was pretty good. It was pretty good Decent, overall. I guess, yeah. Uh, Bischoff then tells Flair that Savage is, at, is here at the building. Uh, mean Gene is outside. Savage is in gear. Why is Savage in gear? Why is Savage not allowed to be in the building? Because Flair's in the building and he's going to murder Flair. But didn't doesn't Flair deserve it? Like, did they not watch <laughs> the pay per view? <laughs> I don't I don't get the logic uh, here. I'm sorry, wrestling. Anyway, carry yes. on. Yes, Gene at Buffalo Wild Wings. Gene informs Savage that the WCW officials are meeting currently to decide his fate and that he may be forced to retire. Macho tells Gene to threaten the board of directors on his behalf. <laughs> Savage tries to charge security and they hold him back. The camera pulls out a little and it almost looks like we're inside. Uh, we're promised DDP versus Brad Armstrong when we come back. The, you know, they talk about, like, Savage is, like, trying really hard to make this look intense, but he's, but he's not at the same time. Like, he goes and he charges these people, and it doesn't look like the, the people are even trying to hold him back <laughs> when they're holding him back. It's just, it's just bad. Oh, the, everything about WCW at this time is terrible. I, 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 do, I do enjoy Psycho Savage. Psycho Savage makes me laugh. <sighs> the pro... The promo from the promo from a couple of weeks ago, where he threatens to blow up City Hall, and then last week when he when he just goes, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. Who said that? It's not about the money. It just makes me <laughs> uh, who said that? You said that. Uh, we get the same Glacier promo yet again. Don't play the noise. Ah, oh, damn it! I was about to queue it up. <laughs> it's seriously been like a month. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so we go, terrible. We go back. I have both of those movies on DVD. We go back to the arena. I for, do too. For, 
for we should we should we should do something once where we sit down and and we hit play at the same time and we just do a riff track that'd be great we could probably sell that on rifftracks.com there you go uh fuck all right back to (laughs) back to the show uh we, we go back to the arena for brad and his super patriotic jacket his opponent the lord of the ring diamond dallas page or as his nameplate says diamond dallas we start with some hammerlocks and then DDP taunts the crowd. We go to break after Bischoff reminds us that starting next week, Nitro is two hours long. As for the match, there's a whole lot of nothing. Uh, we come back to a chin lock. A backslide by Armstrong gets two. A clothesline from Page gets two. A diamond cutter gets another free count for DDP. We then get the first self-high five on Nitro. Uh, Gene is in the ring with DDP. He congratulates him on... Uh, sorry, DDP congratulates himself on winning the Lord of the Ring and then tells the giant that he's coming for him. Gene interrupts him to tell him that, no, stupid, we can't have anyone new in the world title picture because his feet touched the floor during the Battle Royal, even though the referee didn't see it. The WCW Championship Committee has rescinded his title shot at Great American Bash and is instead awarding it... To Lex Luger. I'd like to note, first of all, it was one foot that touched the ground. So, again, WCW with their weird, wacky <laughs> rules here. Um, number two, me and Gene is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I loved Don't Mean Gene me, in WWE. I, yeah, that was like, what the fuck? I loved Mean Gene in WWE. I cannot stand mean gene okerlin in wcw like <laughs> i just wish he would go away he is pervy asshole grandpa no it's terrible he's the worst i feel like a combination of bob barker and rick flair <laughs> uh yes what uh. what has lex luger done to earn this title shot you may ask exactly uh if anything if if they're disqualifying ddp because his feet touched the floor during the battle royal shouldn't the title shot then just go to the guy who came in second that'd be barbarian the barbarian <laughs> no it's going to go to fucking lex luger you sons of bitches yep uh, that's kind of shitty don't you think i uh, know it's terribly shitty uh i kind of have expected to be like nope it's hulk hogan because i hadn't seen hulk hogan the whole like <laughs> last night and tonight so i was like where the fuck is hulk hogan so oh, i assume it's gonna be hulk him. hogan in like a month and a half it's been it's been uh, wonderful it's been i imagine amazing. it's been great give it some time give it some time yeah, but no just... it's, it's it's a terrible decision yeah also the footage or footage the photos they show from from last night is presented in a completely ridiculous order they show him hitting the diamond cutter on Barbarian Ice Train and Johnny Grunge, and then him pinning the Barbarian, then him celebrating, and then his foot on the floor when he got tossed in the beginning (laughs) of the match. And also, Gene describes it as, and to quote, because I went back and I wrote this down directly, when you pinned Barbarian, you had a foot on the floor, unquote, (laughs) which doesn't even fucking make sense. Poor (laughs) execution, WCW. No good. Up next, your main event. Anderson, R. Anderson versus the Giant for the World's Heavyweight Championship. Enter Arn Anderson, accompanied by the Taskmaster for some reason, as Flair promises a title change tonight. The Giant is accompanied by Jimmy Hart, as per usual. Jimmy confronts Sullivan. Sullivan says, Anderson has always kept his word. He just wants to make sure Anderson gets a fair chance at the gold. Uh, Why doesn't that guy die in a fire? Like, <laughs> I, 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 I fucking hate... 
Kevin Sullivan. I I really just hate everything about him. Anytime I ever see him, I just want to punch him. There's just something so punchable about him. It's just he's a terrible human being. (laughs) He's got the one of the thickest Boston accents in professional wrestling. (laughs) Uh, Steiner, (laughs) Luger. Oh, Jesus. Uh, fuck was I? Uh, Giant starts off by no-selling, as per usual, and by being physically dominant, as per usual. Anderson stays at it, and Giant starts wobbling. Then a DDT countered into a choke slam, and the match is over. Your winner, and still champion, the Giant. Giant and Jimmy leave as Sullivan checks on Anderson. We go back to the desk with no further follow-up. Flair is no longer at the table. <laughs> Yeah, what the hell? You didn't have anything with a Macho Man and Flair? Like, the last five minutes should have been Macho Man bursting in, beating yeah. the shit out of him, hitting what? him over the head with that play of, uh, that, that trait of, uh, nah, I can't talk, that tray or plate, whatever you want to call it, that looks like it was covered in fake fruit, and then just like <laughs> beat the shit out of him. It would have been great, but no, instead we get in where Bobby Heenan just like, steals a candlestick and like <laughs> runs off what the fuck well i said the same i said the same thing last week in the go home show for slamboree that well two weeks ago because we didn't have a show last week but uh, that's my fault uh that uh, really they need they needed to do something more because it was the same thing last week giant was outside and then flair was inside and uh, there's no interaction between the two and i know that was kind of building trying to build towards slamboree to kind of build that in, in excitement for when they have their their tag team match slamboree but they already had the match at slamboree so i think tonight you could have had flair overcome the the weakest security team in the bill in the world and, and get into the building somehow but yes as you stated heenan then leaves to go to flair's party taking the candelabra and two champagne bottles with him because heenan is amazing um, but yeah, Flair tells us there's this big plan, and that's why, you know, Kevin Sullivan is out there with Arn Anderson, and then Anderson just straight up loses, and Flair dis a fuck peers. Yep. That's what happens. All right. For a 90 minute episode, this did not feel that much longer, or like they accomplished that much more than the hour episodes have accomplished thus far. They just let Eddie and Flair go extra long, I think to the detriment of Eddie versus Flair. Uh, also, I think Luger is just being awarded a title shot for no goddamn reason. Sucks fucking ass. Uh, my match of the night here is the tag title match, I guess. Uh, I found this episode fairly mediocre considering it came right off of a pay-per-view. What did you think? Yeah, I, I guess the tag match is the best match. I, I don't know. It just was not a good episode. It was better than the pay-per-view. The fans were into it more than the pay-per-view, at least. So you had that going for it. Like it just felt like it was more important. There was more energy. But yeah, no, it was back-to-back duds, like snooze fests. I'm sorry. Yeah. What would you give this out of ten? What's your out thought? of ten? Uh, I'd probably give it higher than the pay-per-view. I'd probably say like a five. Close on cage match. We've got a five point nine two out of ten. Uh, pulled That's in a, a TV generous. rating of two point three in its uh, last shot at the seven p.m. time slot. Uh, meanwhile, over on Raw, which is now three weeks old from Sioux City, Iowa, it is the go-home show for In Your House, Beware of Dog. Remember that? Wow. That was fun. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of remember that a little bit. Stone Cold defeats Mark Marrow by disqualification. Ahmed Johnson cries in Kuwait. The Ultimate Warrior signed copies of his shitty comic book in Queens. Sabi- I still have that. <laughs> I, I don't know where mine ended up. Uh, Savio Vega defeats the 1-2-3 kid by pinfall. The Godwins took the tag titles off of the body Donna's last night at Madison Square Garden. Jim Ross talks to Paul Bear. Mankind beats up a casket with a pole. And in your main event, the British Bulldog and Jake the Snake Roberts 
don't finish their match by the time the show ends. So, of the two shows, which do you think you would rather have watched? Well, I'll tell you which one I did watch. I watched uh, <laughs> I watched that episode of Raw back in the day. Um, Me too. Hence the very I, plot of this show. Yeah, I think I, I would probably... It doesn't sound like Raw was anything special either, but I'd probably, I guess, watch Raw over this. <laughs> well, over on Cage Match, this episode of Raw scored a 4.2 out of 10. Wow. And pulled in the same 2.3 rating. They have beaten Nitro every week for the last four or five weeks, as long as Nitro's been running at seven due to the NBA playoffs. And this week, leading into a pay-per-view, they tie. Not a strong episode of Raw, to be sure. And next week's Nitro is back to 8 p.m. with its second hour running concurrent to Raw, so I have a feeling they may take a hit. Uh, and only because it's my show and it's relevant to my interests, I can tell you that also on May 20th, 1996, that John Pertwee, the third doctor, passed away from a heart attack in the state of Connecticut, not too far from Rundown Studios North here, at the age of 76. Oh, that's it. All right. Andrew. Yeah, what's up? Where on the internet can people find you? Oh, my God. Uh, so they can find me at the Questionable Endeavor Network website at questendnetwork.com, where you can find all kinds of other great podcasts, including this one and uh, those other podcasts I'm involved in, like the Shadow Vane Podcast, which is a radio drama podcast, also at shadowvane.net. And you can find us at Tuning Japanese, where I sit down with Bill and Josh, and we watch equally terrible shows right now um we're, yeah. we're watching Gurren log on and reviewing that and i'm currently i need as soon as i'm done here i'm gonna have to hop off and finish putting together episode 12 of our review which is only you know three weeks late um so <laughs> it's been a hell of a month but yeah you can find us there and uh sometimes i stream on twitch that's twitch.tv slash lemon nerd boy as well so uh yeah thanks for having me on here today man yes thank you for filling in last minute i do uh, appreciate it as i as i told you via text message um yes i i as someone who does not watch anime at all i still enjoy tuning japanese because uh, well because i know i know you and i know bill and i know josh and i know your your dynamic and it just entertains me because you guys are such good friends and also there's josh um <laughs> episode 12 i'll warn you uh if you do start there uh, it was a drinky episode. We were all a little drunk. I, I, what I normally do is that when I edit it, uh, I take out the bloopers, and I u- normally only have somewhere between like maybe average on like five bloopers on episode. I got eighteen bloopers and probably like ten minutes of content that needed to be scrubbed from all existence. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah, it's one of those episodes. Oh, the next blooper episode is going to be awesome. It's going to be insane. All right. You can find me on the internet at NitromaniaPod on Twitter or email me at NitromaniaPod at gmail.com. Let me know what you think about the show or suggest who you would like to see as a guest host in the future. Uh, check out all the shows, as uh, Andy mentioned earlier, on the Questionable Endeavor Network at questendnetwork.com. Uh, I'm still going to pimp this show instead of playing a plug because Martin was nice enough to sit down with me last weekend, even though the episode didn't come out. So check out the New Blood Rising podcast. Uh, season 5 just started last Sunday. Uh, it's called From Sting to Hogan. It has a terribly creepy poster, but uh, I urge everyone to go and check that out. 
Uh, they are available on almost every uh, podcast platform except for Stitcher that I can find. Um, but yes, they start in, I believe it's 91 and go to 94. So basically covering Sting uh, to, to Hogan when Hogan started in the company. So uh, they've done a whole bunch of stuff on that uh, on that show. They're five seasons in right now. They've done the, uh, the back end of WCW, the Vince Russa era WCW pay-per-views, hence the name New Blood Rising. That was season one. Uh, last, season four was the undertaker's wrestlemania uh the streak and beyond uh, i do recommend that one that was my favorite of the bunch so far um they did all the ecw pay-per-views that was one of the seasons and i'm they did the invasion angle i do was, believe right that was, that was the other the, one. yeah that was the one i liked the most i enjoyed that one quite a bit yeah the, then you know the, 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 that was the other season so check out uh, check out their back catalog uh you can find them uh, on Twitter at New Blood Pod, or just I think if you just Google uh, New Blood Rising podcast, you'll find their Podbean page and all their all their archived episodes. So do check them out. And again, I do want to thank Martin for sitting down with me last weekend. Uh, again, it is completely my fault that there was not an episode last week. There was just a, a little mix up in the recording processes, and uh, it just didn't come out. But we had a very nice conversation, uh, and I'm going to I hope to have him come back very soon on a future episode. To, to talk about his projects, uh, the books that he has, uh, that he's written, and uh, and more WCW. So uh, I hope to have him back very, very soon here. Um, if you want to see me in person, you can definitely do that. In fact, I would encourage it, as a matter of fact. Um, I don't have any more shows in the month of March. I was at Chikara's Young Lions Cup this past Saturday in Philadelphia as a fan. I'm sure I had a blast. Uh, or you can also you can catch me at uh, Liberty States Wrestling. Uh, on April 7th in Peabody, Massachusetts, Liberty State, uh, Lucky Pro Wrestling Mayhem on April 14th in Clinton, Mass., or, and Elkmania's A Nightmare on Bow Street in Beverly, Mass., on April 28th. That is my lineup for April. Uh, if you'd like to donate your hard-earned money to The Rundown and all of its associated shows, you can make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash rundownwrestling, or you can become a patron and set up monthly donations at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. For $5 a month, you get exclusive episodes, as well as early access to Nitromania, WrestleMania Salvation, NXT Revisited, and The Rundown Sit-Down. For $10 a month and an idea I blatantly stole from Tuning Japanese, you get all that, <laughs> plus the ability to hop in and be a co-host on any show on the feed except for the sit-down. Uh, if you choose, uh, you can be on the rundown itself, you know, with uh, Jason and Troy on a, on a Wednesday or Thursday night. You can come in and discuss some WCW with me, some WrestleMania with Sal, some Glow or some NXT with Troy, uh, and just come on in and have a good time. Um, yeah, so, Andrew, thank you again uh for the, uh, the multitude of time uh for for joining me this week uh for filling in as an emergency for actually agreeing to watch slamboree uh as always i'm sorry yeah uh, no it was it was bad but i i had fun <laughs> tonight so i always have fun being on here with you uh do you want to mention too that i forgot we were doing plugs and stuff i'll actually be guest hosting on the gameable uh podcast uh which is a show where they used they started with disney movies and they went through all the Disney movies and they just kind of talked about like the plot and some stuff with it. But the idea behind the podcast is 
you try to figure out how could you turn a cartoon into a role, the tabletop role playing game. Uh, so I was on huh. there actually. They're doing a gameable Saturday morning right now is what they're doing because they finished like every Disney movie ever made. So they're doing different cartoons. So what we were, we just recorded an episode talking about Samurai Pizza Cats, and uh, it was really a lot of fun. And I'm going to be recording the second episode on Sunday. So check that out. And if you enjoyed this, go find the gameable podcast because they're a lot of fun as well. I'm I'm not sure I want to play a tabletop role playing game based on Song of the South. Yeah, I don't know what they did for that one, in all honesty. I will have to go back and uh, go check that one out. Hmm. All right, well, that covers uh, my question. Do you have anything else to add before we call it a day? No, um, I'm good, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm good. On that note, uh, thank you, everyone out there, for listening. Of course, uh, check out Tuning Japanese. Check out the Shadow Vane uh, podcast. And uh, I do hope you'll stick around for future episodes of Nitromania. I will be back next week with the first ever god help me two hour episode of nitro and whatever that may bring so until then i bid you adieu and i will talk to you again next time right here on nitromania see ya